and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYOK. Well, hello, hello. I am back this week, uh, recovering somewhat almost still from running a marathon last weekend, which was uh, good. That was one of those good, bad decisions. Ha- half marathon. Yeah, half marathon. Don't, don't <laughs> pat your ass there, buddy. No, Come marathon, on, I would not be here right now. I would still be laid up in traction somewhere. Still be running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even more true. George knows me too well. So uh, this week on the show, we have another great brewery from the D.C. area, Blue Jacket. We're going to be talking to Greg Enger, their beer director, which is just uh, an interesting title, so we'll get into what that means, too. It's one of the first, I think that's probably the first time we've used those words on here, but uh, we'll see what that whole position is, and there's everything about this brewery. Um, this is actually one that George stumbled upon in his travels and, and brought back to us, and uh, we, we had one of their beers, their Mexican radio, a few months back. I forget what the, what was the, was that the, the I chocolate think it was, one? Was the I don't remember. Whiskey Double Barreled, I believe. Um, I no, 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 but I mean, I don't remember what the show was that we had it on, what, what the... It was a mixed show. I don't think it was the chocolate one. Maybe it was I the aged know. one. I don't remember. It was have, it was a beer beer related show. This is a that, bad idea for a beer, yeah beer related show. Trying to remember what they did yeah, is yeah. just it's no. a bad idea. So uh, before we get into anything though, we'll get into a little bit of beer news. Now one of the things uh, that happened this week that I'm sure anybody paying attention saw was AB InBev acquired another brewery, uh, Devil's Backbone Brewing from Virginia area. Now that is the first purchase of the year, and most certainly will not be the last, uh, especially if anything to go by what happened last year. There was a mad dash at the end of the year picking up all these breweries. So we'll see. Still don't fully know the end game of what they're doing completely as to this. I mean, other than just trying to take over things and then compete in the craft beer market uh, without directly entering in with their own thing. But Gobbling up everything, man. It's, yeah. uh, it's just to buy it all till it's over. Yeah, I think that was kind of, that's been the ethos for that brewery from the get-go, going back historically, but we'll just see where everything winds up. Uh, another thing, and this is something that happened, this is a little more locally uh, involved with, with buying things. Uh, if you didn't see this, um, the local for our local listeners, uh, the Linet and Haggerty families, they are the ones behind Screen Times, picked up. Uh, they, they got an investment in with Flying Fish Brewery uh, out of New Jersey. So it's an interesting one because their media background, uh, it's not like another brewery swallowing up that. They got involved with that. So it'll be interesting to see where they take that brewery as it goes because they they were kind of one of those slowly growing breweries. So it'll be interesting to see what winds up happening as this this comes out. This is only about not even two weeks ago this really happened. Yeah, I guess the uh, the owner um, of Flying Fish has been looking to kind of get out of getting older, kind of wanted to, uh, I guess, semi-retire on it. Yeah. And has been looking for a buyer for a while now. So it's kind of cool to see somebody local take hold of it and see what happens with yeah. the brewery from here on out. Especially that kind of background, too. It'll be interesting to see where they take that and how it really changes the the brewery itself because you got to think one of the first things they're going to do as far as a media background is with that using that knowledge kind of probably change a little bit within the brewery i would yeah, see i can't mar- say that wouldn't happen marketing yeah. maybe design i mean we're probably going to see i mean you see flying fish in this area but it's not like it's represented crazily it's not like you have a lot of like in your face marketing and stuff so i'm sure we'll see some kind of change at, at, at least locally oh definitely all right so let's get into a couple new beers that are coming out now boulevard brewing their love child number seven has now hit the shelves which is always a good one to look forward to every year uh founders announced they have a new sumatra brown imperial brown ale with Sumatra Coffee coming in May, so I will be on the lookout for that one. And uh, the other thing, Oma Gang, their new Seven Kingdoms Hoppy Wheat Game of Thrones beer has now hit the shelves. This is their fourth or fifth, I don't remember, uh, Game of Thrones fourth? beer. Fourth or fifth, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember which there's... Uh, um, one thing I know is new bottle design. Did yeah, I like, the, I like the new bottle design, yeah. I haven't it's a little more sleek. It. Yeah, very yeah, very smooth, yeah. rounded, not as old school kind of 750-ish. Yeah. I mean, uh, my favorite out of that line was Take the Black. I mean, that beer was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they've yeah. all been it's, been, it's been interesting to see it because it could be easily something that's kind of kitschy and just like named after a character or an area, but like they really went in and made it like a good beer on top of, because I mean, that's just a genius marketing stroke right there. I mean, yeah. you're tapping into a market that's just built for that kind of, the nerdy brain thing when you get that. Oh, you got everything. Yeah, and we, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, the way it kind of went down with them just kind of sitting at a bar and bubbling into each other. Mm-hmm. That kind of story itself is cool, but it's definitely, it's probably the best 
tie into um, popular media style beer, yeah, I guess, yeah. out there. Um, I forget which one I liked the best. I think it was uh, the last one, I believe. The Fire and Blood, or I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I don't remember the. There's order a lot of not remember. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's been, that's the theme of today's show. I don't remember. What <laughs> brought to you by politics? <laughs> I do not recall. All right, so what we have in our glass right now, which is easy to remember because it's right in front of us, uh, from Blue Jacket. This is their Forbidden Planet. This is a dry hopped Kolsch, and it's interesting because you know you have that you know light Kolsch style dry hopped with they use uh, let's see Galaxy hops in this, an Australian hop, but just really nice, very very aromatic. That was the one thing all of us as we're pouring it, you just get those aromas coming through right away. But it's a nice four point two percent base, which makes this like just super easy drinking. Like, this is definitely a great beer for if you're out there doing yard work and everything like that. Just really enjoyable and. So smooth and easy going down. Crazy good summertime beer, four point two percent bonkers yeah. flavor out of such a low ABV. Uh, this is uh, this does not suck. This is one of the Yeah, I'd love to have this one in cans and just kind of have this sitting around all the time, especially as it gets warmer out, which it finally is. Thank yeah. God. It's funny that that big bottle, like with the nice like label, like you expect this big dark barrel aged <laughs> yeah. beer to come yeah. pouring out or heavily hot beer, and then it's this like nice little dainty, delicate. Yeah, that's like, one of the other things we'll, we'll get into with that with uh, Greg as we we get into the interview um, with Blue Jacket. If you're not around the area that they are available, um, they're a little different. If you if you've seen our stuff on social media with the the bottles, they're a little different how they do it. They actually just kind of have some string and a little tag they tie on to each bottle to, to break everything up. So that's really how they do it. Instead of doing labels on every bottle, they just have tags hanging on every bottle, which is a really cool thing, and it gives it this super sleek, like, really nice look to it, and probably, I would think, might even be more, more cost-effective than doing everything else, too, which is genius. Yeah. That's the thing. It's absolutely, you can tell that there's, like, you know, a, a plan there for as far as cost-effectiveness, but it doesn't look like, oh, we're trying to cut corners and figure stuff out. <laughs> yeah. It's slick. The labels are awesome. The string they use to tie it on, everything about it is looks like it was meant to be that way, but you know they could just order bottles and tags and print whatever they want, so it, it just makes <laughs> yeah. sense. It's very ingenious. Yeah. So we, we just poured our next one now, too. We're going to get into this a little bit. This is another lighter style. This is, uh, what is this one, 4.5%? I don't have the tag in front of me. 4.1. 4.1. Okay, nice. even lower. So uh, just as I said, this is a Goza. It's called A Little Golden Gem. Now, it's it the Goza style, we've seen a lot of breweries as of late, especially putting that out. You see a lot of them putting the fruit into it. Just a really perfect summer beer. This one's going to be interesting because this is actually a Goza with kumquats, which is not a normal... One that I've seen a lot of these. It's the dirtiest clean word in the English language. <laughs> the dirtiest fruit out there. <laughs> I mean, that's a word you could we could say on the radio yeah, and, and, and not get in trouble. Yeah, but somebody yeah. if they hear that and they're listening, they're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that's, you know, that's legit fudging. Donnelly is about to push the dump button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, th- this is just this is really interesting to having this like this really light. The goes aside if you're not familiar. It, it's it's kind of I don't want to necessarily say it's straight up a sour beer because it's it's a little different because you get a little pinch salt in with it, um, but it has sour characteristics, so the fruit additions are always like really nice to kind of cut through that, and uh, this is just a really interesting one. It, it's it's just like a really nice summery flavors, and that, that, the fruit really comes through. Yeah, it's... Um, Kumquats are weird, weird fruit. <laughs> yeah, they're weird, and, uh, they're, and they're the, the flesh is really sweet, and then, or the flesh is tart, and that's what you're getting from this, is that it's super tartness, and the skin itself is really sweet. It's like opposite of what oranges and nectarines are, so it's like you're getting that kind of tartness from the flesh itself along with that kind of the, the aroma sorry but the, the aroma it almost gets like a like a honey sweetness from mm-hmm. it like just like smelling that like it kind of is almost like this like dare I say orange marmalade I will never say that word, <laughs> word in real but you're getting like a candied kind of like yeah. orangey honey kind of mixture like if you yeah. actually t- it becomes like that orange blossom honey yeah, type yeah, thing yeah. that's what yeah it, it's it's really nice though but it it's you don't taste it as much like the, it, that sour really cuts through so it's almost like kind of playing with your senses a little bit yeah it's it's both ends you get sweetness you get a tartness you get that little bit of salinity. This is really good. Yeah, this is like really, really. These are perfect beers for as this like weather is going to. I mean, these are probably. I can't see these not being huge sellers for them in the this time of year. Should have just taken the show out outside. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> No, it's just not, I, I love like those are two of my favorite styles. Like I love a good Kolsch in the summer. I love a nice Goza. I've been I'm happy to see that style coming back a lot in the past couple of years. You've really seen a resurgence of that style that was kind of long 
just, you know, some breweries did them, but it wasn't something that was really pushed. Now you're starting to see some really have that as a core beer for them. And it's it's pretty new. Uh, not the beer itself. I've, uh, obviously, it's been around forever, and it still exists all over the place in Europe and Germany specifically, but it was pretty much dead. And then you had uh, Anderson Valley come out with their blood orange, mm-hmm. and that kind of like what kicked it off with everybody going, going bonkers. I also think the, the Westbrook ghost that you brought back from from South Carolina, George, that, I, that was the first time I tried a, a, a ghost uh, a ghost style beer like that. Am I right or no? Really? That was the first time you actually had one? Yeah. George wow. calling Billy out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I mean, no, no, I'm just like, surprised. I mean, that was a couple years ago, but I mean, that was kind of the first time, you know, ha- having that style. So that's yeah. So it's it's been only in the past year or so. There's a resurgence. Been, yeah. yeah, the resurgence is happening. Yeah. This, is, I mean, I, I would not have thought of it being such a great pairing at the kumquat with it, but it's just those flavors are so nice and it cuts through and makes it a super easy drinking goes like that. That's that sourness is like. Just a scotch right there. It gives you enough to kind of, it, like, herky-jerkiness. It gives you the sweetness, yeah. but then it, it pulls you back with that yeah. tartness, and it kind of plays back and forth. It's like a roller coaster ride. It's awesome. Oh, I love starting out strong with two really good beers. So, all right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get more into everything with Blue Jacket as we are joined on the phone by Greg Engert from the brewery, and we'll be right back here at WLK at the Beer Geeks. Colbert and Grievous, your experienced local choice for elder law. They were very, very helpful. They put me at ease right from the beginning. It's a relationship that became more than a lawyer and client. They do a wonderful job, and they work very hard to make sure that you get what you need. I have nothing but good things to say about them. Colbert and Grievous, certified elder law attorneys. Call 570-299-7909 or visit elderlawnepa.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-798-5564. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-798-5564. That's 1-800-798-5564. 1-800-798-5564. Hi, it's Sue Henry. I've been telling you for almost a year now how much I love my pillow. And now they have a great offer for WILK listeners. Check this out. It's their four-pack special. Mix and match any two premium pillows, queen or king size, and get two free go-anywhere pillows. Use the promo code WILK. It's time for you to think about yourself and your sleep needs. MyPillow is the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. It has patented interlocking fill that adjusts to your sleeping needs. It's washable, it's dryable, it has a 10-year warranty guaranteed not to go flat, a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made in the United States. So if you've been holding off, now's the time to do it. Here's the number, 800-544-7893 with the promo code WILK. Tell them you want the four-pack special, or you can visit them on the internet at MyPillow.com. 800-544-7893, promo code WILK. And make sure you tell them you want the four-pack special. Sweet dreams with MyPillow. Tired of your cable bill going up? Switch to Frontier High-Speed Internet and get a two-year price guarantee plus a $100 Frontier Visa reward card when you sign up. Prices start at $19.99 with qualifying phone service. Call 1-888-FRONTIER today. Limited time offer for qualifying services subject to availability. Visa reward card requires a one-year agreement with a maximum $100 early termination fee on new internet service. Redemption required. Taxes, fees, and other restrictions apply. $100 Frontier Visa reward card is issued by U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Hey, now. All your sinners Put your lights on I feel like I'm at the David Lynch movie right now. <laughs> oh, there's so many, there's so many things that could be said to, to reference being in a David Lynch movie. None of them which can be said right now. <laughs> 
All right, so we're back here in WLK, and uh, we are joined on the phone now by da- Greg Angert from Blue Jacket. So we are going to get into all these things at the brewery and a lot to talk about. We've been having some really great beer. So right now we're going to be joined by Greg. Greg, how are you doing today, bud? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. Having some really good beers from you guys, which is always a good thing. That is a good thing to hear. Thanks for having us on. Hey, absolutely not a problem. So I want to get in a little bit on your personal background because it's a very interesting thing, like getting you into beer itself and led you down this path. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess like all great professions, um, I had absolutely no intention of going into this one when I got started. Um, I was actually supposed to be a English professor. I was studying at Georgetown, uh, doing my graduate work there um, to, uh, to teach English and um, just kind of burn out and uh, got lucky because, you know, uh, there used to be a place in D.C. called the Bricks Keller, which was really the first beer bar in the U.S. to ever open back in 1957. Guinness Book of World Record uh, holder for amount of beers, and uh, I kind of stumbled in there through a friend just to make some money after I dropped out of grad school, and uh, kind of things just went from there. You know, studying beer like I used to study literature, tasting, 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 meeting great people. I mean, we used to uh, host Michael Jackson's um, birthday party every year at the brick scholar um so it was just it was just a a really cool place to learn and uh kind of everything went from there joined the neighborhood restaurant group and we have been kind of just going strong opening lots of great beer concepts down in dc for the past decade so now what what was that kind of time frame around when you were when that first started happening for you sure uh so it was it was cool because it was in uh I, i moved to dc in 2002 left Georgetown in four. So I worked at the Brick Cellar from 2004 to 2006. Um, and, you know, I mean, back then, beer tastings were still not all that, you know, commonplace. And we used to host incredible beer tastings down there with, um, you know, the likes of, of Vinny Salerza from Russian River and Tommy Arthur used to come by from, from, from Lost Abbey, like I said before, Michael Jackson, and uh, just meeting people from all over the country and all over the world. You know, D.C. is really cool because we have um, uh, legal direct import laws, so we can bring beer into the city um, without going through a distributor. And, um, you know, it, it's allowed us to really showcase a lot of beers and, and, and have a lot of really cool stuff from all over the globe. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, right place, right time things for you to have all that. Like as far as an early education, like that's the kind of people you want to get an early education from to hit the ground. Right, yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that's interesting, though, is that this wasn't cool back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this wasn't, there was no Cicerone uh, program. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I started, when I, I, when I wanted to marry the flavors of, of beer and food, I couldn't, you know, like, I mean, Rate Beer and Beer Advocate were super young in 2004, you know, so yeah. uh, we, you know, we, it was through studying Garrett Oliver's long been a, a mentor and close friend of mine, you know, and uh, really having to get out there and, you know, back then, like, if you wanted to see if something worked pairing-wise, you had to, like, yeah. you'd do it, yeah. you know. Uh, now I think you kind of can just scroll on the internet and be like, this goes with that, yeah. but it was cool. <laughs> it was the right place, right time, but also it was, it, there was, there was an opportunity there for me to do some research and to jump in and, and contribute a voice to uh, a burgeoning community um, that's really developed at this point. Now, was there, when you first were trying all these different things, I'm assuming this is when you first really got trying craft beer as well, was there like one specific style or kind of brewery or beer that, that really kind of made you go, okay, I get it now, and kind of opened everything up for you? Um, that's a great question, and, uh, you know, for me, it was slightly more gradual than that. I actually went to school at a small college up in, in Vermont called Middlebury College. And so I was drinking American craft. You know, Otter Creek um, is based right in, in Middlebury. Um, so we were drinking some craft beer, uh, you know, in, in the late 90s and early 2000s. So I'd already started getting introduced to a lot of, like, hop-driven beers um, in that respect. And I lived in Dublin and Munich, and so I started to drink some, some continental beers. Um but I think that at the Brick Scholar, it was really Belgian beer that set me on a path. Um, you know, Orval was a huge one for me um, to taste dry beer, to taste really just bone dry beer with, with, with balanced and measured funk from, from, from the, you know, bottle conditioning of the Um And also, I was, you know, Cantillon. And while I say Cantillon now, and everybody probably just goes, of course, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you. Back in 2004, 
we could not give Cantillon away. Yeah, we actually just had uh, Joel Shelton on like two weeks ago now, and we were talking to him, and he was saying we had they had crates just sitting crates. there they could they not get rid of. Containers worth of, yeah. of Cantillon they couldn't, yeah. couldn't sell. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't. It's funny. I love to tell the story. Like, you know, back then, um, the beers that were really, really hard to keep uh, in stock were Trappist as far as Belgians go. Like, we could not keep Rochefort 10 in stock. We'd get some, and it would fly out the door. Meanwhile, uh, Cantillon was just, just literally sat there. Um, I mean, I remember the Brick Skellers uh, back coolers had probably just, just like Lou Pepe's, you know, from multiple vintages just to sitting there gathering dust. Uh, obviously, those have been liquidated <laughs> by wow. this point. But, uh, ah, the yeah, loons. So, the loons will get you. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it's, it's just nuts how, how much things can change in just like 10 years. Oh, yeah. You know? So when, when did the brewery first open and did you get on board right at the beginning? Oh yeah, so I'm I uh, I'm one of the managing partners for for Blue Jacket as well. Um, you know, so Neighborhood Restaurant Group is is our restaurant group down here in DC. We uh, started with a beer place called Rustico in Alexandria, Virginia, in 2006, um, and then we opened a, a sister Rustico in Arlington uh, later. We're probably best known for Birch and Barley and Church Key, um, which I'm also uh, a partner in, and we opened that in um, 2009. Uh, and then finally found the right space for Blue Jacket and were able to break ground in uh, late 2011, early 2012, and then finally open um, in 2013 for Blue Jacket. So was that a concept that you kind of had kicking around in your head already before you even really began? Like you knew you wanted to get into doing a brewery, or was that something as you progressed down that path that you eventually saw that you wanted to do? Yeah, so actually, it was right from the start. So um, early on, when I when I when I met with, with with Michael Babin, who's actually the founder of the Neighborhood Restaurant Group, fantastic guy and close friend of mine, he, you know, we started talking about you know where we wanted to go with beer, and it, it, I really wanted to do, I really wanted to look into treating beer with the same care afforded to wine, um, and also to look into actual pairing of beer. Not just cooking with it or something like that, but actually talking about the way that flavors can interact. And so uh, my early conversations with Michael talked about what places we were going to open together. And so in addition to, you know, trying to open the ultimate beer bar that would treat beer in the way that sommelier has been treating wine for so many years and then have a sister restaurant that could pair those same beers well treated with great food, which is what Church Game, Birch and Barley, you know, would end up becoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talked about creating a, a kind of brewery and restaurant that could offer a wide, wide array of flavors, kind of um, a, a microcosm of what's going on in craft beer. Um, and this is back in 2005, 2006. So as with anything, you know, with our restaurant group, we've always got lots of really crazy and, and very cool ideas on the table. <laughs> When we do them depends yeah. <laughs> on the spaces that we see. And eventually, so we always wanted to do a blue jacket, but we finally found this perfect space down on the waterfront in, in D.C. in Navy Yard um, that, that we felt was the right place to do it. And that's why uh, it took until 2013. But we've been planning on it since 2006. Wow. So now when you guys first were getting ready to open, did you have a core like beer styles that you wanted to do or something along those lines, like knowing as a, as far as a background, or was it always just you wanted to try all different things and leave yourselves open? We absolutely did not have any <laughs> flagship <laughs> ideas, um, any kind of like game plan. And, and I say this and it, it sounds kind of people would think like this is crazy I mean, invest all this money and all this time but you know we just we're not the kind of brewery that you know put the 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 cart before the horse you know we didn't decide like oh we're going to have these are going to be our flagship beers and these are the hops we're going to use i mean the, the brewery itself has always been a sort of incubator and laboratory and continues to be so we wanted to see we didn't want to pin ourselves down at first we to your point and mine earlier we did want to explore a wide flavor spectrum mm-hmm. we knew that and so it was quite ambitious and still is um, but we certainly didn't say that this is going to be you know these are the beers we're going to focus on and, and frankly Two and a half years later now, we are, a lot of that is coming into focus, but we wanted to spend that time experimenting, innovating, and then discovering what we loved, what we wanted to continue making more and more of, Mm -hmm. and also what our guests loved, and keep it very organic and let it evolve. You know, I think 
I'm always kind of shocked today because in addition to being the, the beer director for this brewery, I buy beer for a, a dozen places throughout D.C. And, and, and Northern Virginia. And I'm kind of shocked when I get an opening email from a brewery that's yet to open uh, outlining their entire portfolio and exactly what to expect and when in the coming year. It just seems like, uh, I don't know, a little too perfect and a little yeah. too uh, uh, I don't know, driven by marketing, perhaps, mm. than yeah. just driven by seeking out flavors and, and following the path as it goes. Yeah, you don't want to close yourself off by saying this is what we're going to do, because even if it's good, things could change and you could have opportunity to do something even better. But if you're so narrow minded or focused on one thing, then you're losing out on a lot. And I just so well, the other thing for me is I just like, I mean, like, they, I, how do you know it's going to be great? How do you know it's going to work? You know, and it just seems like uh, something that's more about, you know, uh, the, the, the sale rather than the creation in yeah. that respect. Because I can't tell you how many breweries come to me like that today. And it's, uh, but, you know, for every one of those, there's, there's others that are really evolving every day and getting their beers better every day. Oh, and that's the hugest thing for me for, for craft now as a buyer and as a producer is, if your beers aren't constantly changing, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, you should be tweaking, tweaking, tasting, uh, really never totally happy with your beers. I mean, they can always be better. There's always new flavors to explore. And some of the best breweries around are the ones that I can sense, you know, differences and, and, and improvement um, time and again. Now, one of the things, is it from your background with everything leading into it and everything, it, it seems that there's a very much an idea and a focus on food and beer pairings and those flavors as you're laying these beers out. Is that is that accurate? And Absolutely, yeah. Culinary inspirations, even in those, that, I mean, I, I know you all were drinking um, some Golden Jam earlier. I think that's kind of the obvious example, but even in the others that where there's not a specific like culinary ingredient, I think we definitely take that approach. Um, and I should mention that our, our head brewer, today is um uh, is a great guy uh, named josh chapman and he's actually a former chef as well so i think my background his background plus the fact that we are a restaurant group surrounded by really exciting culinary talent means that we do definitely take a cool kind of a culinary approach to our beers yeah no it definitely shows through those those flavors they're very bold but still very clean which is not always an easy thing to pull off so how many beers do you guys really do in a year like you have a rough idea of how many different kinds of beers you guys actually will brew in a year oh you know <laughs> um i think not an easy we're, question. We're, we're well over probably 150 different beers since we opened, but I will say that um, over the past, like in year one, we brewed uh, like countless um, different beers. Uh, year two, we kept brewing new beers, and obviously we were very heavily involved with collaborations too, and, and we're always trying out new things. But at the same time, we were just we were getting just as interested in. And continuing to tweak and rebrew beers that we loved, and then I would say now that we're in our third year, um, you know, we will be three years old in October. We are kind of brewing fewer and fewer just crazy new things all the time um, as we hone a sort of portfolio of beers that we like to return to. Um, but of course, that's leaving plenty of opportunity for new stuff. It's just not maybe as kind of um, radically. Um, explosive in, 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 in releases as it was at first. Now, uh, let's talk business model for uh, a second. Like, your bottles are awesome, you know, no labels, and then you actually hang the actual, like, tags on them and stuff like that. And then you look at your facility, it's pretty swanky. It's beautiful place that keeps growing and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Was it always your idea to grow, like, a brew pub? I guess I don't even want to use that word because it's way beyond that. And make right. something huge and kind of just grow from within where, like, you know, a lot of breweries will be like, okay, you reach a certain point, and now they're going to bottle and can and just produce outside of house you guys have pretty much stayed in-house even though you're making all these beers has it yeah. always been a business model or what uh, I, I, I would love to take credit for for planning and things like that but frankly it's funny we're a large group that operates like a very small one um we are a kind of a, a loose web of independent restaurants and i think that we we maintain a, a certainly a kind of a certain a certain uh you know, fly by our pants kind of kind of thing here. Um, we've been learning a lot as we go. So I think 
first off, we, we, we basically, we, we were able to build Blue Jacket based on the success of Birch and Barley and Church Key. So we were, so business-wise, we, you know, we kind of took the, the money that we were able to make from that and, and just invested it into this brewery. That's kind of what we, what we do. Um, you know, that we're looking to make just enough money to keep that next project going. Um, and so we found this great space though with Blue Jacket because it's, it's in a burgeoning neighborhood, but it's also like three blocks from National Stadium. So for half of the year, we are, um, you know, serving all sorts of crazy beers to um, baseball fans. And so there's quite a bit of volume that goes, that happens on site for that. Um, we have the, the capacity, I think, to do about 5,000 barrels on site there. So, yeah, we, we decided to kind of be a production, a small, very small production brewery with restaurant and bar attached. Um, but, you know, we don't have a bottling line. We don't have a canning line. We don't have room for either. So even though it looks swanky and it looks very high tech, it's actually pretty, uh, pretty traditional and pretty standard. I mean, we hand bottle those bottles you all are tasting. We, we hand tag them. We didn't want to do growlers um, in part because of, you know, some of the, the, the flavor issues that we find with filling growlers, but also basically because of the amount of, you know, time it takes to fill growlers when you're trying to serve people beers, you know, on site and things like that. So instead what we decided to do is to fill those 750s uh, milliliter bottles by hand and then have a large array of those available for takeout um, when people when people come to see us. So um, I think in 2000, I think we're, we're, we're doing around 2,000 barrels a year in production right now um, and, you know, selling 99% of that on-site. Uh, we do do a little bit of stuff at some of our restaurants around the around D.C., and then we do a lot of, of festivals like Shelton Brothers Festival every year. Um, but, yeah, so I think we're happy to kind of keep it on-site now and keep it fun and keep it something that you have to come to get. Um, but we do intend, um, probably after baseball this season, to amp up production so that we have a little bit more to send out. Well, let, let's speak to that for a second. Like, the, the name of your brewery to the name of the restaurant, everything, you know, it's military base, Blue Jacket, Arsenal, and the building you're in, and you being close to baseball and being close to the Naval Yard and stuff like that. What's that like? Not saying that people who are in the military or baseball aren't in the craft beer, but it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of a, I guess you would say, you know, it's a different area to be in how has the reception been in that area with your beers and whatnot yeah no that's a good it's a good point because navy yard is where we are and until you know really the mid 2000s you didn't go down there it was you know uh kind of old industrial buildings that were you know kind of falling down and, and nothing really going on so once the nats built their stadium things started to change and we were a cornerstone of development down there um so yeah we have uh, Navy Yard employees who are wonderful, um, huge supporters and fans. Uh, we actually have the Department of Transportation too down there, so that brings in a ton of business um, from government workers. We have baseball, but you know, DC is not just uh, you know a political uh, city filled with lawyers anymore. You know, so we there's a, an amazing population of of young people who have moved into the city, and our nightlife is like is thriving so that neighborhood is being built up with condos and apartments um it's really close to capitol hill which is the same and so there's there's actually a, a really great um young scene of people and regulars who come by and keep us pretty busy in the off season as well so it's a, it's awesome i mean dc is just a cool place because you get a little of everything and when you walk into blue jacket i think it's the same way our clientele is vast and uh also appreciative that we're down there. Yeah, no, there's like been so much down there. We've had a few breweries from down the area too. They're just continually to grow. All right, let's yeah. get into a little bit of this beer we have in our glass, Rude Mechanical. Now, this is an interesting one because it's a hopped up Pilsner with mosaic. What was kind of the, the thought process going behind putting this thing together? So we love to drink um, all sorts of beers. We love, obviously, beers that are lower in alcohol and full flavor, um, you know, influenced by some of the, you know, Session Farmhouse Ales of Belgium, um, low ABV bitters um, and miles that we get from England. And actually, I should mention, we brew those styles of beer at Blue Jacket a lot, too. But also, we love um, low-alcohol lagers, whether they're from, uh, you know, the Czech Republic or from Franconia in Germany. Um, so... 
So we've been working with that a lot. You know, in the Coolie Blue Jackets, we're a 15-barrel system um, with 18 fermentation vessels, some of which are open, others are horizontal. Uh-huh. Uh, and we do the, we have this many different vessels so we can create lots of different kinds of beers, but also so that we can brew fully matured lagers. You know, so I can take a beer like Rude Mechanical, which you're drinking right now, and set it aside for eight weeks in tanks and let it naturally lager and naturally drop right um, and not worry about how it's going to affect our production schedule. So we love lagers. We love low alcohol beers. And that's where that came from. Um, as far as Mosaic goes, you know, this is a hop that's been really sexy for a long time now. And yeah. or I shouldn't say a long time. It came out in 2012. But it seems <laughs> like forever. Uh, in the last few years, people have been going crazy for Mosaic and for good reason. You know, it, it blends a, a huge uh, panoply of flavors. Um, but it can also be... But it's expected, I think, to see that in IPAs and pale ales. Mm -hmm. And also, it's pretty intense. Um, So what our thought process was, let's try to tame Mosaic a little bit by brewing a traditional 4.4% low-alcohol lager pilsner. um, And then, you know, just, and then we'll even dry hop it. But then we're going to do our maturation post-dry hopping and see how that that eight-week, two-month maturation could mellow out the mosaic and maybe bring out some of the lager quality. So that's actually the first batch we've ever done of that. The second batch we tweaked um, and is in tank lagering right now. So we love that beer and we're going back to it. But I think the idea here was, yeah, it was like, let's try to, we're trying to bend an intense hop like mosaic to our will um, yeah. and see if we could make it work in a different package. You know, it's really interesting and, and drinks really easy too, which is nice. It's always good having some really good flavorful lighter beers, which I really appreciate. And so far, everything we've had, Greg, has been phenomenal. Uh, right, right now, we're going to we're gonna wrap this one up and we got some more beers we're going to have later on after the break. But I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call. Let us know. I mean, you guys are really doing some great things and, and so happy to see everything going so well for you guys. Thanks so much, and please uh, come and visit uh, anytime. Oh, we definitely will. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Thanks, Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Well, George already visited and didn't invite any of us, but yeah. not well, anything else. That's All right, George so. doing George things. <laughs> that's right. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we have some more beers here from Blue Jacket here and Beer Geeks, W-I-L-K. Built for business. Waiting. No one enjoys it. With Comcast Business, you can do less of it. Because Comcast Business Internet is up to five times faster than DSL from the phone company, which means less waiting for things like security backups and file downloads. Plus, it's a better value when you select the fastest plan. So do what nearly a 1,000 businesses do every day and choose Comcast Business. Unless you'd prefer to wait. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add one voice line and TV for just $34.90 a month for two years. And ask about their low price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. That's 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Off rents 531.16. Restrictions apply. Equipment taxes and fees, including broadcast TV fee extra. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Just imagine a beautiful new kitchen at a beautiful price. Just $5,800. A Marriotti quality kitchen featuring granite countertops with maple, all wood, Amish made cabinets. And they're even throwing in the kitchen sink. Visit their showroom today with over 30 kitchen displays showcasing uncompromised style. Marriotti's professionals can help you begin designing your $5,800 dollar kitchen today. A Mariotti kitchen with Mariotti quality and design at a price that's right on the money. Visit MariottiBP.com or their showroom in Old Forge today. Do you own your own business? If so, I want you to think of a number. Think of the amount of funding you need right now to take your business to the next level. Do you have it? Whether that number is 5000 250000 or even more, pick up the phone right now. Because BFS Capital can provide funds in as little as 48 hours for virtually any type of business wanting to grow. Call 1-800-600-3211. Even if you can get a loan from a bank, the process can take months, but you need money now. BFS Capital makes it easy. Get approved today and see the funds you need in your account within 48 hours. Use the money to expand your business, purchase equipment, advertise, or to help with cash flow. For over 14 years, BFS Capital has provided businesses of all sizes over $1 billion in funding. Take advantage now and call 1-800-600-3211. That's 1-800-600-3211. Business funding's only. Loans may be provided by third parties and subject to lender approval. 
Whether it's dedication to fitness, spending time with the family, or trailblazing through the wilderness, experience the ride at Sickler's Bike and Sport Shop. Did you know that there are over 20 different styles of bicycles? Sickler's knowledgeable staff will listen and work with you to find the perfect bike and gear. We want to share our passion for riding and help you enjoy it too. Sickler's Bike and Sport Shop, Noble Road and Clark Summit, and Wyoming Avenue in Kingston. Visit SicklerBikes.com or find them on Facebook. Sicklers, come experience the ride. <laughs> I think every one of us knew it was coming with that. There we go. <laughs> oh, you hey want to wanna get a couple guys in their 30s clapping along? Just put some in the sun. And Cheers to calling me 30, buddy. This is our mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was looking at Matt when I said in our 30s, but I was like, I'll give it to him. <laughs> Slide one past the goalie. <laughs> All right, so another great interview. I mean, that was another one of those ones that there was so much more that we, we were talking about that off mic that, that we wanted to get into, but it's just when we're limited with time, it's always tough because we want to be able to touch base on a lot of things without going too far down a rabbit hole, and there were so many things that we wanted to just really get into because it's just a lot going on, and an uh, interesting business model. Just everything that they're doing is just really cool, and and the beers have been phenomenal. And we have a yet another phenomenal one in our glass. We just poured Lost Weekend, which is a citrus a citra IPA. What's the ABV? Is it seven nine? seven point five seven point five? Okay, uh, it just. This is unbelievably juicy without having that super hazy quality to it. Like that's usually what you equate with a lot of like really fruity, juicy IPAs is that New England hazy. And this has that without that haziness. It's just really juicy and in your face, but not overly aggressive bitterness. Now, perfect balance between bitter and, and sweetness to the point where it just plays perfectly. I don't, I, I wouldn't go as in your face juicy as you, um, just as me personally, but I think it's it's done really well. Like, yeah. to the point where it's like, this is like, I would classify this as a danger beer, is that, like, the other beers tasted like, like there were four and yeah, they were lighter, tasted yeah. like eight. This is more like, this tastes more like a six, and it's kind of getting up there towards eight, you know what I mean? So, yeah. flipping the script a little bit. But it's not that the fruit characteristics coming through from the hop are super just... super fresh. Yeah. I mean, I think those yeah. fresh hop notes are just yeah. bursting through. Oh, this would be one I could just sit and drink all day, just having a really good... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, great beers, great interview. That's like, not that any of the interviews are quote-unquote bad, but there's some interviews where are like, okay, put a check mark next to that one, and that's a repeat that yeah. needs to be done in the future to get more information, yeah. you know? Yeah, now that, that, there's so much with it, and it's just a really cool thing to see. And just even just down in D.C. in itself, like we had D.C. Brow on, just everything that that whole area has going on, it's it's not necessarily, like, like he was saying, like the, the clientele that are down there. You kind of almost don't see craft beer being as a thing, because it's just, you know, maybe it's just blind stupidity thinking of just like, oh, businessmen and politicians. That's all that's around down there. I mean, not that the DC punk scene didn't happen or anything like that, but there, there's a lot of that down there, and you don't really equate a lot of that with getting into all of these things that we're, we're discussing with craft beer and stuff. I mean, it's definitely not uh, all-encompassing. I mean, we all know plenty of doctors, politicians, and businessmen that are love craft beer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's that thing where it's like, you know, if you're thinking about opening up a business like this, where, I mean, you know, nowadays it's as mainstream as anything else, but, yeah. you know, when you're opening it up, you don't go, hmm, let's open next to a naval shipyard <laughs> four blocks from Capitol Hill. That sounds about right, because that's going to be cheap to open up there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. that business model doesn't work. Well, apparently you can. Yeah. No, that's that's the interesting thing is just as we're going through this and going, you know, across country, uh, talking to all these breweries, like where they're setting up shop is such an interesting play on what beers they're doing and all that type of stuff because it's just from a farm in, uh, you know, yeah, farm or, in Oregon last with year. Caves, to, with caves. With caves. Like, have, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Lost has caves. I was so bummed to have missed that one last <laughs> week because I was just like, yeah, they have, there's just so many, it's just so interesting because it really plays into what they're doing and what yeah. beers they're doing and the, the clientele that's coming in there and everything too. And it's, it's so cool to see what, what Blue Jacket's doing because we have such a wide array of different beers coming from them that it's crazy just I mean, to see. Fifty beers yeah. in a calendar year. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you look at their facility, you can go online and check them out and Beautiful. see where you can get their beers and stuff. Here, you're talking about like a, a three tier level warehouse space with like the like breweries. A lot of breweries like um you know K 
Kane comes to mind. There's a couple of them where the breweries is like organic around the actual like tap house to where it's like you're inside an organism. And this one looks like you're inside, you know, you feel like, you know, Pinocchio inside the, inside the whale on this one where it's so vast and so huge. But you know that it's not for show. Like there's some pseudo brew pubs you go in and you feel like the fermenters and stuff are just kind of like fake off like, the yeah, side. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, it's TGI Friday's version of Flair, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, or some kind of place that I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, um, shenanigans, <laughs> shenanigans, shenanigans. <laughs> Say it one more time. What's that place like with the thing? Shenanigans. Anyway, so it's cool to see that business model work and for them to grow to be that big within that space is just amazing. Oh yeah, and and to do and and it's it's one thing like you know we've all been to brew pubs that you can tell they focus on the food and kind of let the beer go and, and we've discussed that on here before and it's it's tough when you get into that business model because you know what are people coming there for are they coming there for the beer are they coming there for the food but if you really just pinpoint and work like as he was saying like they have a, a brewer that's a chef like has a chef background couldn't ask for anything better in that type of setting to have that to have a full understanding of flavor interplay with everything because that's going to make the experience so much better because if you go in and you have uh maybe the food's not bad or the beer's not bad but you have two things that maybe are contrasting in flavors that's going to put you off both and like the the lame person is not going to fully understand that they're going to think well it's bad food it's bad beer but it's like when you have someone that fully understands and it's good quality products and stuff like that but you have someone that fully understands that interplay and can like push it that way you get so much more out of everything i'm i'm curious to see how many did we did we ask them how many brewers they actually have down there, because I think they might have m- multiple like head brewers. That's a we, yeah, like we didn't get into yeah the whole the whole beer director part. I mean, we didn't really get super yeah. in depth with. And I kind I'm kind of thinking it might be because the way they run their business model, and we're talking about it off the air, is that I think there might be a bunch of head brewers, and he's almost like you know in sports terms like a coach. Like you actually sit there and like direct the he's brewers. The, he's the AD. Yeah, 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 or, or G, general <laughs> manager yeah. or something like that. So it's just it's a cool business model. Obviously, it's working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of the, how their business is running and two, the beers that they're making. And the growth. So, I mean, yeah. you're, you know, adding more in. Yeah. So. All right. So we're pouring. Uh, we had a version of this. This is the, fir- the first beer we had from them uh, a few months back that George brought back. We had a version of this. This is their whiskey barrel aged double Mexican radio. Right. 2015. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's correct. It's nine point five. Yeah, nine point five ABV. It, it, it's just a really nice, like the the whiskey is not overpowering, and there there's subtle spicy notes in there and everything. And at nine point five too, you this is this drinks like it would be a much bigger beer. It's the vanilla and coconut, baby. Yeah. And that's what Dusty Rhodes gives you. <laughs> wow, a Dusty Rhodes reference. Yeah. What's the next gold get dust. It to, to hot times when you drink a double barrel Mexican radio. <laughs> But no, it's just, it's so smooth and the, the flavors, and that's what's nice is like, you know, we've had barrel aged beers on here before and when that heat starts to, to creep up a little bit, kind of takes over and can take away from the experience over. This is just perfectly balanced where you get those flavors. And this is from 2015, so there's a little bit of age on them. I don't, I don't know when they do these in the calendar year. Uh, so I don't know if this was a winter 2015. I'm not really At sure. At least six months, yeah. if, if not longer, you know. Um, and, you know, it's just, like you said, this is the first beer that we had in the show that we can't remember, yeah. but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's somewhere it, in the archives. But here's the thing: the show theme we can't remember, but we remember the beer, and it just goes yeah. to show you how good it is. Exactly, and that, it's just it's still just as good. It's just really easy drinking. You get those sweet notes, but it's it's everything is. It's really nice because the way this beer drinks is you get the sweet notes from the chocolate, little hints of coffee, and then you get the vanilla. Then you get a little bit of the spice, a little bit of the yeah, barrel aging. Like a, like a weird kind of, oh, not weird, like almost like a licorice kind of vibe or like a, a rhubarb kind of thing or something. Anise? Yeah, anise probably. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, licorice, anise, yeah. <laughs> I hate when people say that word because my, my mind just can't help it. But but it's <laughs> another word that sounds yeah. dirty. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> kumquat. That's what I think of. I don't know. We said kumquat, and then, we, and then you said dumb button. I think dumb button is the worst word. We say low, lower mukunji. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Clinton Portis played <laughs> football in D.C. Yeah. Clinton <laughs> Portis sounds like a disease. Um, but but it's it just that there's all these really nice checks and balances within this beer, and you get that as you take a sip. Like, it just keeps kind of ping-pong back and forth you get like the sweet you get a little bit of the, the heat you get a little bit of the, the whiskey coming through you get uh, some more of that vanilla flavor and then you get some of that spice coming it just kind of keeps back and forth until it 
washes away and then just leaves this like really nice it's not overly spicy that's what i like with this is that you get a little hints of it but it's definitely not uh, a spiced beer yeah a lot of the beers in this vein this style where they try to be a little bit spicy they t- tend to get a little heavily heavy-handed Tr- try to be a little bit too cool for school with the spice Ooh, well, got a good one that time. That's hey. pop there. Yep. pop yep. Pop that. No, Teeth fell out. Throw some locks down, and we got some dance party stuff going. All right, so we're we're going to put on some Darren's dance grooves. Remember that tape? Was that what it was called? Remember that the pop and lock? Oh, all right. Not I'm in the Really? Well, let's talk about this tape you watched all the time. You know. <laughs> Apparently, you're, you're, you're a historian. Yeah, I, I, I watched it. That, I, my dream was uh, to be on the follow-up. Now, we have, this is the Traveler's 12K. This is uh, from The Vault. This is, I believe, 2014 this was done. This is a, a wild ale. Uh, I mean, this is just real nice. Style. This was a corked and cage one, so that's what you heard popping the cork on that one. Um, but this is another age when they had sitting around, which is nice that they, they still will do that. Like it, it's unbelievable the amount that they do with the size system that they're working with, and the, the sheer volume of different styles. And they even have like open fermentation going too, as well with everything. It's like the, you talk about really making use of the space that you got. It, it's incredible that they're able to do this and, and just like have all these wonderful flavors going on. But this is, it's called Traveler's 12K. What's the ABV? Is it on there? I don't know if it's... Six. Okay, just six flat? So yep. there we go. It's just like a really nice wild ale coming in at 6%. I, one, of, one of my favorite things Ooh. that's coming out of the beer world right now is, 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 a, is a nice wild... Like, it almost seems like sours in super sour beers were kind of like coming to a head. Like, it was like, you have to go sour, yeah. you have to go more sour. It seems like there's being a, a, a separation and a pullback to where straight up approachable, funky beers are becoming more and more the norm now. And this is in that vein, and I'm really excited. Yeah, it's definitely not overly acidic at all. Like, that's what's nice. Like, no. I, I feel like this isn't going to turn my stomach. Because, like, sometimes when you have them, like, you know, like, oh, this is this is not going to be good. But th- this really is very balanced, very well-rounded. And, like, yeah, I'm sure the age had a little bit to do with that. But you can tell that this was done with that intention. This is, like, one of those beers where I, I drink it right now, and I kind of get a little bit peeved that I, I didn't, like, have this and let this sit for another, like, 10 years to see what it turned into. Because I think this would turn into something really bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this is just another great, great beer. I mean, I, I don't know. This is... I know they have this in the vault. I don't know what they have down there, what's available uh, to take home with you when you go down to visit the brewery. Uh, as far as... I don't know if they have some of these kind of things sitting around. Maybe if you give them a wink and a nudge. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. I mean, getting stuff like this, I get this, like, kind of, like, uh, like not as sweet and smarty kind of vibe off of it with, like, I don't know. It's just a nuttiness. It's just awesome it's to, to see them able to do this wide range. Like, to, to really nail all all of these things as they did it, which is not an easy thing to be able to really hit home a Kulsh and a Pilsner, a great IPA, barrel-aged stout, and a sour. Well, and that's what he spoke to. I mean, like, really, when you're a brewer, if you're going to make one beer great and that's all you're going to do, that's fine. You know, yeah. I love me some heady any time, of, any day of the week. But, I mean, as a brewer, don't you kind of get that itch to make something new yeah. all the time? To jump outside and, your comfort and zone. Like and, he's, yeah. like he said, he probably enjoyed this beer, I would assume, when he made it. But I give him now, he'd probably like it, but he'd be like, ah, oh, this sucks, this sucks, and this sucks. I want to make it better. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how you have what to you be. What you want. Yeah, you want life, that. Not just brewing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, know? you want that, and that, that's a great ethos to have is like and to be open about like we always want to be pushing ourselves like that's what you want out of a great brewery no one's resting on their laurels and across the board that's that's not there it's funny when when he was mentioning it they're in a, they're they're in the navy shipyard and and you talk about their approach how they're always looking to adapt and 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 do stuff and and it's funny that the, the marines uh kind of thing adapt improvise yeah. overcome their motto kind of reminded me of that so it's fitting getting the hook ladies and yep. gentlemen getting the hook <laughs> All right, so it wraps up another great show, another great brewery with some world-class beers. And next week we're going to have on the show Night Shift Brewing come up in good old Massachusetts with some more great beers. So we'll see you next week, everybody. Cheers. 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 Cheers.